if I was a GM, like I would pull Trent Balky aside and punch his face like 30 times. <laughs> because what the heck are you doing what with this Christmas doing, man? All right, let's welcome into the Titans 10, our first ever second time guest on the show, Teron Davenport of ESPN NFL Nation. He's a reporter covering the Titans. TD, how's it going today, man? Hey, man, everything's going well. I appreciate you allowing me to break ground and be the the first (laughs) ever second time uh, guest on the show, man. This is going to be great. Well, we really appreciate you carving some time out for us. And and at this time of year, there's just so much to talk about. We're going to kind of cover it all. Titans related today, but top of mind, obviously today we're recording uh, the afternoon of Wednesday, March the 16th. And so just a couple of hours ago, it was announced the Titans were cutting ties with Julio Jones wide receiver that they traded a second and fourth round draft pick to the Falcons for last year. And, and uh, it ended up being a bit of a failed experiment uh, bringing him in. You know, I, I would say that talent wise, it wasn't a mistake bringing in Julio because when he was healthy, he was what they paid for, but health was the issue. And, and I guess it's not that surprising in hindsight that a, a 33 year old wide receiver who has hamstring issues uh, that that just wasn't getting any better. So they, they chose to move on. What have, what have you seen and heard today? And was this all that surprising to you to hear? Yeah, it, it did surprise me. In fact, I had to redo a, a couple of articles and also a, a podcast, a show that I recorded today as well. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting is you, you never really get a good feel for how a guy is until you actually could watch him practice and uh, or just see him move in person. And I say that because I feel personally if they could have seen Julio Jones extended time in practice, they probably wouldn't have done this deal. And the reason why I say that mm. is if you watch him – just haven't seen him in person, the torque and the the power that he uses every time he runs routes, it's more conducive to injuries happen again. So, Mm. so some guys like they, they don't like, they're a lot lighter on their feet, but if you watch Julio and I wish some of these videos that we post from practice, we could get better sound with it. But if you, if you like, when they go through their drills, if you are able to to hone in and, and turn it up as much as possible, you'll hear more thunder from Julio Jones's feet than pretty much everyone else minus maybe Mason Kinsey. So uh, that's something that kind of told me like, Hey man, if something does get tweaked, it's going to carry on because he's just too violent. So um, as far as things that come out uh, in regards to this, I mean, this is a move that obviously post June 1st, they'll save them $9.5 million. I'm not sure exactly what direction they go receiver wise. I know Chris Olave is a guy that they met with uh, Eric Ezukama uh, out of Texas tech. So I know there are some guys that, that they like Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks. And I, I think it just really just changes the approach to the draft, especially at pick number 26. I think it's so difficult to evaluate free agency moves and cuts in a vacuum. Um, right. Like for example, if we, look back to a Dory Jackson last season. If you were to just ask me, what are your thoughts on cutting a Dory Jackson? I might've uh, kind of been hesitant about that, but if you tell me, okay, we're going to cut a Dory Jackson, but then we're drafting Caleb Farley in the first, we're signing Jack Rabbit Jenkins as a stopgap. 
we're going to draft Elijah Molden to play the slot. And then we're going to get a second year breakout from Christian Fulton. I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. And so that's kind of my opinion with the Julio thing is that I don't really have an opinion on it until I see what else they do to address the receiver position around AJ Brown. Um, yeah, no, that's a hundred percent right. And that's exactly, you know, what, what I, when I was talking with Chris Sanders, former Titans receiver for uh, talking with TD podcast, you know, that's something that, that we, we said like, okay, right now it doesn't look like the best move, but you need to wait and see how everything pans out. And I told Titans fans, you know, I said, Hey, uh, you know, don't get on the pedestrian bridge or Korean veterans bridge and get ready to jump. Like you have to think about it first before you do that. And yeah. it, it can't get better. Yeah, I, I think I think you're fighting a losing battle, uh, trying to get people to calm down at this point of the season. Um, but uh, the next one that uh, is obviously a, a big transaction is cutting uh, Roger Saffold. It's one I fully expected. Uh, if you look at his performance as a pass protector, his age and his inability to really stay healthy. Um, mm-hmm were you surprised by that move at all? And what do you think there, uh, if, if, you know, gun to his head, John Robinson thinks the starting left guard is next year? Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. That's a move that I I felt would happen as well. You save plenty of cap space. And as you uh, wisely mentioned, the pass pro is, is an issue and it run blocking. Hey, he's really good there, but that's, that pass pro has been an issue, you know, for the, the last couple of years. And uh, they got to save the 10.5. I think gun to his head, John Robinson right now would, ah, man, that's a tough one. I want to say Dylan Radins put him at left guard. I just, because of the, the strength issue, I'm not so right. sure that I would put him in, in there dealing with those, you know, interior guys, but that's where he's worked the most. So I would say that's probably where they would put him. But I I think if you look at, you know, a a Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma, I think that's a guy that they could put right in there and and plug and play as a day two, a third round pick, you know. So if they were able to do that, then you put Raiders at right tackle, which is where I think he would be better suited. So that's me gun to my head, gun to John Robinson's head. I think uh, Dylan Raiders is the left guard. Well, and that's the yeah. thing, TD, because you sorry, James, you you look at where they just the context clues based on on what the team has done with him. If you're trying to get in the head of those guys, the coaching staff, the front office, what they want from him, they seem to have signaled all of last season they wanted him at that guard position. Am, am I wrong? Talking to some people, they seem to think it's pretty clear cut that he's going to be a tackle. Maybe it's because he came in just for that one San Francisco game when he had to to fill in at uh, left tackle. And they're like, see, he's a tackle. They playing in a tackle position, but, but outside of that game, they seemed to want to practice him and, and get him reps in at guard the most. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where he's gotten the most reps at, at least, you know, when we got to see training camp, um, that's where he got a, a lot of reps at. Uh, you, you still have Aaron Brewer there in, in the mix as well. So he's someone mm. that I, I know they like, and he's filled in pretty well. You look at the Baltimore game, um, uh, la- not last year, but the year before 2020 was at week 10. You know, he has some some pretty good blocks to clear things up for Henry. So fortunately for them, like they have a couple of options there and the draft is still something that could mix in. And I really think that what they do draft wise is going to truly tell us where they project 
uh, Dylan Raiders. They project him to be a starter. He's going to have to start, but it's just, okay, a left guard or right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're just sort of on a weird timeline with Dylan Radins because just as a prospect, I always thought he was best suited to play tackle. And based mm. on what he's put on film, I think he's clearly more comfortable as a left side player. So to me, left tackle was the most natural fit. But obviously, um, you know, Taylor Lewan is, is still playing at a, at a capable level. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think is most likely on the team next year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing with guard is you look at the the amount of, of $6 million guards that are available in free agency and the amount of guys in the third and fourth round that teams have been able to pick up at that position. Yep. I'm not too worried about, about you know, getting adequate level play at, at one guard spot. No, 100% right. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's funny because you never want to say, hey – don't draft, in my opinion, you never want to say, hey, don't draft this position in the first round because you could get it later. But I, I do feel that there are options later on at guard that don't give you a tremendous drop off. And then, as you mentioned, the free agency, there are some guys that, that, that you could add. So, uh, you know, minus a Kenyon Green being available, like I don't know that they need to use a first round pick on a guard. Zion Johnson would be attractive, you know, but. Again, like, I don't know that those guys will be available. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jeremiah has a great line talking about building the offensive line, and he says, you don't need all pros at every position. You just can't have any tomato cans. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just, like, be – don't have a glaring problem. Don't have something every week that you feel like you've got to cover up. Um, Who – you know, speaking about the the first round, who do – if you're in the GM's chair, who would you pick? Um, this is kind of putting you on the spot. Who would you pick and who do you expect them to pick? And it's obviously early out, um, not kind of hard to answer for sure. Okay. Um, are, do you have like a collection of guys that are available? Yeah, or is just... All right. Let's say they're sitting at 26 and you've got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon oh. Burks. Your pick of the litter, basically. And Trevor Penning and Zion Johnson. And Zion Johnson. Wow. That's a tough question. And also would <laughs> never happen. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But just theoretically. Okay. Um, I think now with the situation with, with Julio Jones not being there, I go trailing Burks. Mm-hmm. And it's tough for me to do that over Olave. Ah. Oh. You know what? Let me let me not fake the fall. I'm going Chris Olave. That's that's it, man. I mean, it's hard wow. to pass up the vertical ability that he has. Uh, he's a smooth route runner. Um, he's a guy that I've liked since he set foot on Ohio State uh, University's campus. So I I, I would go Olave because I think it's kind of uh, you, you know a double deal for them where they get that vertical guy, but he's also a guy I personally feel could win on the outside uh, in addition to playing the slot. And you could come back later and get a slot guy, um, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I would go there, but I would keep an eye on Christian Watson and Scott Moore as, as, as later um, guys to bring in as well. You know, So it's, they're going to need multiple uh, receivers, in my opinion. Teron, yeah. is, is Olave your wide receiver one in this draft, or is that just a fit thing for the Titans? Ooh, I... Because you hear so much about Wilson and Burks and, and Olave's in that conversation a lot, but I hear him as 
the wide receiver two or three on a lot of people's boards to hear, yeah. to hear you so high on Olave. I understand if it's a Titans thing, I think that if the Titans are looking at it for a fit for the team in particular, it would make sense that Olave is your pick there. Yeah. I, I like Olave. He's probably my favorite receiver in this draft, but mm. I it's think Jameson, I know it's tough. J- Jameson Williams is, is the top, top receiver oh. in this draft. He just had yes. that cop, right? The, the injury. Right, right. But um, I think he's the, the top playmaker in, in this draft as far as the receivers are concerned. It's also tough with the receiver position because it depends so much on what kind of style of receiver you're looking yes. for. Yep. Uh, if I have a, a vacant receiver room like uh, the Falcons, for example, I don't know that Chris Olave with his size, um, specifically weight, is a guy that I trust to just plug in and be like, all right, you're my number one receiver beat Jalen Ramsey versus press coverage, you know? Like, I don't feel great about that, but as as like a high-end number two option for a team like the Titans, I really like it. I, yeah, so, I mean, I, I kind of, I think, agree with your sort of mindset where there's a lot of guys for me, like, I'm not as high on on um, Traylon Burks, but I've started to come around on Drake London. Obviously, I like Jameson Williams, uh, like Garrett Wilson. They're all kind of in a cluster, and I think it's just going to depend on scheme fit and obviously interviews, medicals, all that good stuff. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and I, I like Burks just as a guy that I, I think out of all those guys, like he's the most possession-type receiver. Um I like the fact that that he can make plays even when he's not open. But I mean, those contested catches that he's making, it, you know, on Saturdays are going to be a little bit different on Sundays. So there there are some question marks there. But yeah. I just think with Olave is just there's so much polish, and uh, I think he's instant impact. And, and this guy is just he's a playmaker, man. I, I love watching him play. The thing I I said it on an earlier episode, but it's like these guys that have a ton of contested catches on their college tape, a lot of times there's a reason they're in a lot of contested catch situations. Mm -hmm. It's because they're not creating separation. And, um, you know, I've for every um, Mike Evans and T Higgins, there's a Hakeem Butler, Nikhil Harry, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a tough thing to project that that gets into the unknown aspect of it. Hakeem Butler. That is a name that so many people fell in love with and, yeah, I wasn't too high on that guy. I tell you one kind of cautionary tale about that. And I, I remember when Alshon Jeffrey was coming out of South Carolina, and I, I said the same thing. This guy doesn't – he doesn't get any separation. Look at him. He got – what kind of wide receiver has a belly? Um, everything is always contested. <laughs> and he came into the league, and, and he was a beast. So it's just so crazy how, you know, things could play out. Yeah, well, I mean, some some guys are just like that, and, and yeah. it translates yeah. to the NFL. Well, TD, speaking of of guys that, uh, well, the Titans have have let go, and they've now created a hole for themselves at the position. Uh, a more expected move came this week when the Titans released um, the Titans released uh, Jackrabbit Jenkins. Uh, was yeah. it was a cap casualty of sorts that uh, made sense? Uh, well, not really a cap casualty because his contract was up, but. Um, it made sense for them to move on nonetheless. Um, it was a move that people saw coming. And I think that he's not a, a failure of a story. I think he uh, they got what they what they wanted. He was a great cornerback to one year rental, um, just priced out a little bit this year. And, you know, they're expecting, obviously, to have 
um, some better health in the cornerback room this year so that they have that young core of three guys all in their second and third year next year playing cornerback, starting really the youngest position group room on the team. Um, And if those guys can all be uh, starters, then that's pretty fantastic. But there's going to be at least at the very least, there's going to be some depth issues at the cornerback position, Mm -hmm. if not. Um, room for some, star, uh, you know, maybe a, a starter free agent to come in uh, at a cheaper value. Do you, do you see them addressing that position in the draft or or maybe a, a, a try to find somebody with some value in the free agent market? What do you think they're doing there? You know, Easton, that's a good question. And I, I think when you look at pick 26, now with guys like Andrew Booth Jr., Kair Elam uh, in, in the mix and, and, and Roger McCreary, now it's like, okay, you have to consider cornerback as well. And I have oh, wow. posted that. And, and, you know, people reacted like, hey, there's no way. There's <laughs> Lost their minds, yeah. There's yeah. definitely a way because, look, man, like as much as I like Caleb Farley, he has not been healthy a complete year for pretty much the last three to four years, right? right. So, I mean, can you really rely on that? I, I don't know that you could rely on that. Put all your eggs in that basket. So a, a first-round pick on one of those guys – wouldn't be out of the ordinary or wouldn't be out of the realm of, of possibility. However, there are some guys that I like later, uh, specifically Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. Uh, he's a longer corner, really good uh, uh, quickness and recovery. His, his feet are smooth. I, I think he's a player that, you know, you could get on, on day three and, and he could come in and help you out and give you some type of starts on the outside. I just, when you look at free agency, uh, I, I'm not so sure that there's, there's guys available that I think, you know, would, would be able to come in and, and yeah. be someone you rely upon. And it also you have to include the cost as well. So the right. cost factor is definitely key when you're looking at all of this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that when you talk about value and how kind of um, positions just cluster throughout the board and I'm looking at my board right now, cornerback in the back end of the first round is a very saturated position for me. Like guys like Kyler Gordon, like you mentioned, Andrew Booth, Kyer Elam um, are, are guys that I think could be really good players for the Titans. And uh, that's, that's kind of the, the difficult thing with drafting is that um, I think a lot of fans expect teams are to draft for just this next year but exactly you're really you're really drafting for the second third fourth year of those guys rookie contracts and so i i think as, as kind of a sleeper position pick i i could see corner um and it's a tough thing with caleb farley because i i know about as much about caleb farley as i did the minute that they drafted him he played 80 snaps in the nfl didn't look that good, but whatever. I'm not going to, you know, overreact to such a small sample size, but it's like, basically they're just kind of going off, I guess, how he looked in practice for that short stretch that he was healthy. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what, what they're going off of. And his recovery from what I understand is going pretty well. So that's a good sign, but I just don't know that you could, you know, rely at least this year, upon him I mean okay so do you go out and you get a Patrick Peterson for one year a Kyle Fuller I I just don't know like those names don't exactly move the radar for me Um, and I I don't think that those are moves that 
the team should should make. And that's why, again, it goes back to what we said about corner at pick 26 and, and, and people lost their mind about it, but it's definitely something that, that you have to consider. And I, I think in a case like with McCreary, uh, you know, he's another one of those BOGO guys, right? You buy one, you get one free. And, and everybody's this thing about him having short arms. And I asked him about that so-called weakness. And he said, man, nobody really said anything about it until the measurements came out. And, as he pointed out, you watch his film going against, you know, most of the top guys in the SEC, he held his own. And, and when I say Bogo, I'm talking buy one, get one free, because I feel he is capable of playing on the outside, but you could bump him inside as well. And I, I think, you know, getting someone that could do multiple things for you it is a plus. So at 26, it's definitely, in my opinion, something that should be in play. Roger McCreary is such an interesting evaluation because I mean, like he, he's, he's the most battle tested corner in this class. Yeah. Uh, usually when I'm, I'm watching corners, I'll, I'll go to their PFF page and sort by targets and watch their most targeted games first. I mean, every game of his is like 11 targets, five catches allowed, two pass breakups, one interception. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are those length and speed concerns. Um, wanted to uh, shift to tight end the Titans, are bringing Jeff Swain back uh, on a move that a lot of people are having a, a very negative reaction to. What were your thoughts about um, their commitment to Jeff Swain and how how do you think they go about addressing the tight end position through draft and free agency? Yeah, I tell you what, um, that's a head scratcher. I, I, I understand bringing them back, but at 3.5 price tag, I, I just, I, who else is bidding on Jeff Swain? Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. on day one of free agency. Who else is doing that? You know, I, I, it's almost like, are you negotiating against yourself? You know, and speaking of tight ends, by the way, Adam Schefter just posted that just the saw that are signing OJ Howard to a one-year deal. So there goes a guy that I really felt would, would be a, a match for the Titans. But, hey, it is what it is. And then on top of that, Von Miller signing. 3.5 for O.J. Howard up to 5 million. Let's say 3.5 million, though, for O.J. Howard. Like, for those listening at home, would you rather have O.J. Howard or Jeff Swaim for the same price? I can speak for those at home. Uh, absolutely O.J. Howard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wonder. I wonder what direction they'll they'll go. But yeah, the Swain. I, that's not one I could get down with. And I tell you one thing: they cannot go into this year with the same mindset as they did last year, as far as like having uh, the quantity over quality approach. Yep, yeah, they've, got, they've got to have. They've got to have at least you'd think one, if not two, other guys there. Uh, uh, drafting somebody and getting a free agent would be ideal, obviously, but. In terms of pass catching, you're not getting that from from Swain. You're gonna have to get that from somebody, and you can't you can't have another year where you get it from nobody. Exactly. What do you think they do with uh, with Zach Cunningham? Do you think they end up restructuring him, cutting, leaving the contract as it is? I think they restructure him. They really like him. Yeah, yeah they like him a lot. So I, yep. I think they do restructure him. Now, of course. You know, they've switched linebacker coaches, uh, inside linebacker coaches. But uh, I, I still I, I think they they find a way to get that number down. And honestly, don't be surprised to see a, a big move. Now, I know they they showed that at least over the last couple of years, uh, they didn't value the tight end position as far as like a large number in their in the cap uh, part of things. But I mean, a guy like Tyler Conklin almost has to come into play. 
Uh, Austin uh, Hooper almost has to come into play. I know there yep. was interest in Dalton Schultz and Hayden Hurst, but um, you know, obviously Schultz has the uh, the franchise tag on him. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big move at tight end and, and they kind of um, work towards addressing receiver in the draft. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I lean there too. I think the most likely outcome is that they bring in some other veteran and then uh, attack the position in the mid rounds. Um, yeah. With with Zach Cunningham, I mean, you mentioned how much they like them, and it makes sense if you watch that five or six game stretch. There might not be a better individual stretch over a few weeks that I've seen at least in recent memory than Zach Cunningham uh, specifically in run defense I mean he was just all over the place um and him and him and David Long were just playing off of each other so well so even even as someone like me who doesn't personally like investing a ton of money at off ball linebacker I can definitely get behind Zach Cunningham sticking around just because of uh how well he played down the stretch for them. Yeah, and it, it kind of offsets too. And, and I'm glad you mentioned David Long because when you were saying uh, uh, stretch a, a really good play, I'm about to say, man, you, you got to put 51 in there too because he's had a, an excellent stretch also. That's, but it, hey, that, you, that's not a stretch. That's a that's a season. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think when you look at David Long being on that, that low-cost rookie contract, that allows your number with, with Cunningham, at least this year, to be a little bit high because it kind of offsets each other. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind. So I would I would wonder if they are able to restructure or you know come to an agreement how it'll look next year because okay, are you going to bring David Long Jr. back, which I think you absolutely should, and then how would that weigh against Monty Rice? Right. Yeah, and I, you mentioned Monty Rice. I, I think I think people I feel like I'm the only person sometimes that watched Monty Rice last year because (laughs) I saw a a player that they drafted in the third round come in and play a very difficult position for a rookie and play at like I would say an above average level yeah and so you know when you talk about maybe moving on from Cunningham which I'm kind of one foot in one foot out on People are like, well, who else are you going to throw in there? It's like the guy they drafted in the third round last year. I mean, watch right. him. He's a good player. Right. I just, you know, the thing is with Cunningham, for me, the violence and speed that he brings yeah. and the way that he compliments David Long, like it makes it very hard to, you know, run stretch and, and those type of uh, uh, runs like that because they yeah. pursue so well so that's that's why I, I think and when you have a guy like Cunningham and I talked to him about this just you know how being able to be behind you know Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tart or, or Autry whoever's in there just maintaining like the, those those two gaps like it makes it so so much better for them to be able to to come in and just get free shots on on uh, running backs. Cunningham's one of the few guys that you look at a a wide zone run with the front side guard getting to the second level, him and Cunningham are meeting at the same point. It's like, I'm betting on Cunningham to win that (laughs) right there, you know? Yeah. You talk about collisions. Yeah. I guarantee you he's one of those guys in when they're, when they're meeting right now, the personnel department in that building trying to decide who to keep, who to go after, make the money make sense. I guarantee Cunningham is one of those guys that they are, just battling themselves internally over um, just because you know, I'm sitting I'm, and this is kind of a realization I'm just now having 
the, the Titans obviously set themselves up this year in the offseason to kind of do the opposite of what they did last year, right? They they wanted to to have this defense set. They they retain guys like Harold Landry. They, they I'm sure, want to retain guys like Zach Cunningham so that that defense can remain intact and, and they like where it's at from a personnel standpoint. And obviously the focus is supposed to be on the offensive side of the ball. And so you already see them move on from guys like Saffold. You already see them move on from guys like like uh, Julio Jones. And and so there was already room for them to build up on that side of the ball before they let those guys go. They they have even more holes there now. And so you're looking at a couple of receivers you'd like to have, a couple of tight ends ideally you'd like to have, uh, at least one other lineman that you'd like to bring in. And with their cap situation right now, that's a lot to ask for. They don't have a massive amount of picks. They only have uh, that first round pick and then and then thirds uh, and and so on. They don't have the second round pick that was gone to Atlanta in the Julio trade. Um, in terms of resources, both money and draft, and the amount of holes they have that the number of which is increasing um, on that offensive side of the ball, it probably makes it difficult with a guy like Cunningham. Where if you let him walk, you could save yourself a bit of room. But they just love him so much. TD, what do you think their their initial plan will be? For this, I guess we're kind of entering the second wave of free agency here. Um, what if you had to rank the order of importance for these holes? What what are they trying to address uh, immediately and maybe exclusively in free agency? And what are they waiting to maybe see what they can get in the draft, see what they can get later on in the summer? What's what's on the docket for this team? I think tight end and to use the, the phrase TE1, that's hmm. something I think is imperative for them to address. I think that's the first order of business. And this tight end class is is deep from top to bottom. It's not really top heavy. You know, Trey McBride right now is probably the best, but you have guys that you could bring in and, and have them be a compliment to the tight end one that, that you that you signed. So I think that'd be the first thing. And as has been the 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 case with a, a lot of uh, past tight ends it's tough to rely upon instant production from them. It's something that, you know, takes time. You look at top prospects like Hawkinson, like, like Noah Fant that came in and, you know, it took some time for them to get going. So I think that's something you have to consider. Um, and that's why I mentioned some of the guys earlier. So tight end. And then after that, honestly, the, re- the receiver position is the next one. I, I think that they'll look to address and, I mean, a guy like Allen Robinson. I mean, do you do it? It would be perfect, but can you can you afford it? Right? I mean, that's and that's what I'm saying. Do you do it? Knowing that, I mean, it, I, I tell you one thing: at the owners' meetings, if I was a GM, like I would pull Trambalky aside, like into <laughs> one of these side rooms, yeah. and, and and punch his face like thirty times. <laughs> Because what the heck are you doing what with this is Christian you doing, Kirk? Man, it's it's, it's <laughs> like funny every said everything, man. Yeah, he single handed guy like AJ Brown. You know my guy Tory <laughs> Dandy, who's AJ's agent, Debo Samuel's agent. Would you DK see them Metcalf's tweeting back and forth agent. the other day? Debo What's tweeted that? AJ like, "Oh, we're getting paid, paid, huh?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now, like that whole thing is different now. So okay, can you go out and sign an Allen Robinson? I don't know because. That would be a lot of money tied into that position. But I, I still, if you could get, you know, let's look at Will Fuller as, as an example. He's someone that, that you could probably get at a bargain deal, but 
there's a reason why, because he's so injury prone. So yep. I, I think that position would be, would be uh, one to look at. A lot of people mentioned Jarvis Landry. And um, you got to remember, leaving Miami, Jarvis Landry said that he and, and Tannehill didn't have the best relationship. Yep. So it's bringing him in, making it like great around Tannehill. I, I don't, I don't know. But in the draft, there's multiple options. So I would go those two, and then uh, after that, uh, I, I say right tackle. But I think that's going to be more free agency. Um, I'm confused uh, about uh, how they missed the boat on the Morgan Moses deal. That's I was going to say that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, how is he not worth five million a year? I, this is a guy that has started every single game for yeah. most of his career. He missed the first game again uh, for the Jets last year, but that's something. But uh, you know, the draft there are some options, um, and then going from there, I, I would look at the running back position. They signed Trenton Cannon, who I think is an underrated signing. Like he's going to be more of a special teams guy. He'll be a returner for them as well. And he can play, you know, third down back if, if you if you uh, want him to. But Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame matches for me. And then I, I think Hilliard, Dontrell Hilliard does come back. So I think that's kind of like the move that they'll make and, and roll with that with that group. I would love for other NFL teams to be stupid and overreact to Kyron Williams 40 time and let him fall to the sixth round to the Titans. That would be uh, it. A dream it would scenario. be really good for them, for sure. Um, well, Teron, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, just one final question. If you had to pick kind of a guy that you would say, if you're in that draft room you're banging the table for this year and a guy that you're maybe not as high on as some other people in this draft class, who would you say? Hmm, good question. A guy that I'm banging the table for? Ah. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and say it. He's not a first-round guy, but, I mean, Jelani Woods, man, out of Virginia. Like, I'm banging the table for him because yep. he is a beast running that same route. You can line him up outside. Um, he's a guy that you could work in, in the slot, you know, have him uh, detached, and he could work in line as well. And, I mean, he's 6'6", 259. I don't need you to pile drive guys to the ground. All I need you to do is use that big body and get in the way. So I don't see – like how you could have any loss with him. Um, as far as guys that I'm not as high on, uh, yeah, I'll say it, Kenny Pickett, really. Um, unless you're talking about Titans specific. Oh, you, you mean old baby hands? Now, just just talking about the draft in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it has nothing to do with the hands for me as, as much as it's, you know, like this guy, um, you watch him, he had – four pretty solid years, you know, well, three. And then this, this past year kind of blew up. And I, I think there's now, nah, you know what? I'm coming off of that. I'm coming off. I'm Matt Corral. Matt Corral oh. is, is the one that I'm not as high on as everyone else. Uh, I'm not as high on Pickett, but if I had to pick one guy, it's Matt Corral. And I, I just think you, you watch everything was, was schemed for him. Now he is a guy, he has some down the field accuracy, but he has that crash test dummy mindset. And he doesn't have the crash test dummy body. And you see too many times where he, he likes to, you know, run. I know they called a lot of runs for him, but I just don't think, and especially seeing him in person at the combine, I, I don't think that's sustainable if he plays like that. So he's the one, a lot of people putting him in, you know, the the top 20, et cetera. I, I, I don't see that. You don't think throwing 20 bubble screens a game will translate to the NFL? <laughs> 
<laughs> and exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Where a lot of the success was schemed, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, a, it's the same thing with with uh, Sam Howell in terms of the offense just doing you no favors as someone trying to evaluate. It's yeah, just, like there's no NFL reads uh, in what they yep. do. Um, exactly. All right, well, Teron, I appreciate you for coming on uh, so much. Would love to get you uh, back on the show closer to draft time. Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I know you really like. Uh, digging into the sleepers and uh, we can have some good in-depth discussion about that, but it was a great discussion. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'll leave a sleeper receiver with you. Um, Please. I, I know, I know you guys watch Northern Iowa for Trevor Penning. And I, I, in doing that, I kept saying like, who the heck is this dude on the outside? And especially the North Dakota state game. Christian Watson out of North Dakota State is is a player, but he and Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa, you talk about going back and forth. Watch mm. that game, and this is for the listeners because I, I know you guys watched it, but Isaiah Weston is a big receiver that is a playmaker, so that's someone to watch as a sleeper. Yeah, Isaiah Weston's a guy that I have on my list. Still, I'm still still trying to work my way around Christian Watson. I, the ball skills aren't really there for me, but obviously mm-hmm. the high-end traits. Uh, yeah, the movement and the, the yeah. straight line speed. All right, All well, right. TD, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, and we would love to have you on again uh, maybe in a couple of weeks. For sure, let's do that, man. Appreciate you guys.